very good evening to episode 13 of Decomposing. This is Daniel White with his original and very smooth introduction voice before we go into the chaos that is the show uh, for tonight. And a warm welcome, as always, to the uh, beshorted one, the legend in his own lunchtime, A.D. Lane. The less smooth-talking co-host of this show. You're sounding quite smooth tonight, actually. (laughs) It's because I've got my beard growing. It always helps. Yeah. See, occasionally you don't warn me. You come on and say, oh, he's lost his beard. Has it it fallen off and... Gone into been a commune. Down. <laughs> yes, gone to join a commune. Does does Katie occasionally say that's enough with the beard, Tony? It needs to come off. No, never once. I mean, you 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 saw me in my my heyday, you know, where I was pretending to be a film director. I was pretending to be <laughs> Stanley Kubrick's <laughs> illegitimate son, and uh, and tried to grow my beard uh, to like the my body weight in beard. And uh, so you've you've seen me at my beardist. Beardiest, and, yeah, uh, yeah, and um, no, never, never once. Uh, it's always, it always comes down to um, uh, itchiness. You know, I don't know, I don't know how how big a beard you've ever grown, but well, you've when, seen, when you've you, seen when I did the the, the Viking. Well, I've thing. seen. Uh, that's yeah, yeah, but that uh, you must have gone bigger than that in your time. No, no. So you've you've never experienced true uncomfortable. What. It gets Viking itchiness. It gets, it gets itchy after after you've got past the initial stubble bit. That's really itchy, and I can never really get past that. Well, yeah, I mean, you, what you're talking about, yeah, you're you're talking about stubble itch. What I'm talking about is uh, is is just like every like you go outside and the, the wind moves your hair. It's just everything kind of just goes ugh, into your face, and it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a whole different it's a whole different lifestyle. Does, uh, so this, I, I have my limits. Doesn't now. this kind of imply to you that man was not invented, wasn't designed to be beardy? I don't know. I've got a feeling that that that, that man was supposed to stay outside in the cold, <laughs> and the beard was there to protect him. Right, uh, because I, I'm, I wear shorts, so I need a beard to to keep the top half. So warm. don't wear shorts. I can't not. Uh, I've tried. I have tried. Brand now, isn't it? It is. I've got three pairs of shorts. I've got one pair of trousers. You do the math. <laughs> uh, true. Yeah, I'm true. in trouble. So, so we were going to do creature. F- we will at one point do the show we're supposed to do tonight, and then, yeah. and then, literally, um, li- was this this morning? Actually, was it? Was this this morning? You said, "Well, let's yeah. just do a show on possession because the, yeah, the Exorcist yeah. has just come out in 4K, 50th yeah. anniversary, and and you'd watched Evil Dead Rises last night. Last night, yeah." Um, I, otherwise, otherwise, I would have I would have watched Tremors, which was our planned movie to watch. Uh, because I didn't get time to watch it, I just thought we've both seen Evil Dead Rises now, so it's something we could talk about later. And I do like a good <laughs> possession film, actually. Yeah. And I mean, I, we, so so should we start with the Exorcist, the Exorcist, the original, and then the franchise, and and then yeah. and then move on to wherever we go after that, but. Um, I we we have talked uh, on and off through the uh, incarnation of this show on the radio show, and I believe we talked a couple of weeks about uh, The Exorcist. Um, I I think it's an incredible film. Uh, I, yeah. I I like how it's paced. Um, yeah. I'd be interested to see how New Beginnings or the the beginning comes out or whatever it's mm. called. Um, how whether that's different. I imagine that's going to be more modern oh, yeah, paced. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. But yeah. 
I, I like the uneven pacing uh, of the original. It, it, yeah. it, I've not seen it yet. I've just got my 4K steel box set. Um, Your little tease. <laughs> well, you went for the <laughs> ultimate edition, and then, then you have to wait for like two he's weeks. Been... He's been teasing me for the last few days. Well, in fact, you you teased me when you got your, oh, it's dispatched. Oh, it's dispatched. <laughs> you know my Doctor Who thing? My, my, my Doctor Who box set came out yesterday, still pre- today, still preparing to be dispatched, though. I go. hate it, it when probably, Amazon does that. And it prob- we'll probably both get our Doctor Who's on the same day. It's, it's only because the Exorcist thing is because they... Uh, the, the, we, we ordered two different versions. And, uh, and I, I just think that... You know the, uh, the the single steelbook version. Everybody is now in their in their hands now, and they're you know it's ready to watch. But if you went for the deluxe, you're like me, and you're probably waiting. It, it is uh, the artwork on the uh, on the box. I know you've got the steel book set. Uh, the box set the same artwork. It, it yeah. is it is beautiful. It really is yeah. beautiful. Um, and I've seen a review. I read. I've listened to. I watched a review of of the Exodus 4K. I've seen the clips of what it looks like what it's going to sound like it's beautiful it's <laughs> it's it's a it's a stunning dramatic film anyway but it's going to look and sound incredible so i'm i'm very excited about it um good good cast as well for the original i think there is something very 70s about the exorcist yeah, and we we've, we've we've talked we've talked quite a lot in the past about you know how different 70s films are compared to well, even 80s, 90s, too far, you know, like it just, every decade that goes by, we seem to have, I don't know, the films get a bit quicker, more mm. jump scares, the music plays a bigger part. And The Exorcist is just old school horror. You it creeps up basics. on you, doesn't it? It does, and it it's does, and because eerie. they've got such... Yeah, and because they've got such long scenes where maybe, you know, nothing nothing really is happening for about four or five, maybe even ten minutes, then something does. It, it's it's so creepy. And you mm. but you don't get that now. And you know, and I'm sure we'll talk about, you know, the latest Evil Dead film. It's it's that's the difference between old horror and modern horror. You know, there's there's no building up the the suspense. No, it's it's almost straight into it, and and I I yeah. like the build up that build up yeah. before it all goes awfully wrong. There's a wonderful build up uh, in the remake of uh, Dawn of the Dead where yeah. the nurse is 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 driving home. Um, yes. To uh, stereophonics, have a nice day, and and yeah. and it's just oh, I love that that ir- irony of that song, obviously deliberately chosen, and driving back into suburbia and you know what's going to happen because it's a remake of dawn of the dead you know where it goes you know where it ends and i love those bits at the beginning of a horror film where everything's fine before it's not i really like those moments and you don't get them in modern horror much anymore like you say no i mean this is i I love that you just you know you brought up the dawn of the dead remake because not many people do you know they're they're like oh you know there's only one dawn of the dead romero did it i don't believe fast zombies i don't but the 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 remake is its own film yes it has the same name it's set in a shopping mall um but like you say that sequence in dawn of the dead remake is one of the best opening sequences in a in a horror film ever it is one of my favorites and 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 it's it's why fear the walking dead is also Mm. a really good pre preview to the walking dead because it really focuses on the build-up 
the breakdown of society. And and like you say, you don't you don't get that in in, in movies. They can do it in 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 uh, TV series, which is just like the same with uh, Westworld and the the breakdown of uh, and the invasion into our society of the hosts goes on over four series rather than just like two hours in a film or whatever. So the Exorcist does this build up to the possession. Um, I mean, it must be before Regan is absolutely positively and totally possessed. There must be a good hour. It's got to oh, be close to easily. an hour. Yeah, and I think maybe, and and I I have the same. I do have the same issue with this. You know, like you get films where you can put them on regularly. You know, like uh, certain horror films that you quite easily put on every year. I find as much as I adore The Exorcist, and I, I do, I do think that it's one of the greatest horror films ever made. But I have an issue with. And I've all, whenever we talk about The Exorcist, I always say to you, this is not a film that I could put on like every year, or even every two or three years. I think the last time I watched The Exorcist was probably, probably about 15 years ago. It shows that it's not a, it's not, as, as much as I love it, it's not a good to, I'll put it on regularly. And that's down to the pacing of it, hopefully. See, see, I find that interesting. Interesting. I mean, there are people who say oh, it was the greatest horror film ever. I think that's that's overegging yeah. it, and and it's almost like you're buying into the hype of this film. Um, yeah. I don't think it is the greatest horror film ever. Oh, I don't actually know greatest. what. No, it'd have to have the per- it'd have to have perfect pacing for it to be yeah, the I, greatest. I, I I don't know what I would classify as the greatest horror film ever. I think that's a boring conversation because it depends what mood you're in as to what horror film you want to put on. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Well, For me, you... anyway, I think it's the thing, yeah. But I don't have as much of an issue with the pacing of, of The Exorcist as you do. Uh, yeah. I, I like it. I like the unevenness of it. I like the one minute you're, yeah. you're focusing on um, uh, this this disparate, broken family where she's she's an act, jobbing actress. She's trying to work, she's trying to put her family together. Her, her daughter's mm. you know on the on the verge of kind of moving into womanhood as a teenager, and and this this awful evil is kind of invading her family. And and before you even get to the iconic sequences with Linda Blair as Regan, which is incredible, there is yeah. this just overwhelming feeling of evil. That you feel in 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 the it just it, it it's unnerving, and and he doesn't freaking doesn't doesn't uh, doesn't do what it would be so easy to do is just move into the shock moments you know oh, the, yeah. the, the the spider walk down the stairs or you know all of that sort of stuff he lets it kind of just mm. hang there and it's yeah. I love that I love I love yeah. that he doesn't do what you would expect him to do the pacing's deliberately like that I think. Oh yeah, and and you know, don't get me wrong. It's 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 the pacing the way it is, which is why, uh, and you know, and uh, this this is this is easy for me to say because I, for some bizarre reason, I I don't I don't scare with horror films. Hmm. I can watch any horror film, and it doesn't. Uh, the Exorcist, because of the pacing, because of the history, because of the the creed of the, the way that it feels like such a normal life that this family has there is something about the way this film was made it's the only film that genuinely scares me when i watch it it's the only film and that's why i put it down as one of my favorite horror films because that no other film can make me feel like i don't want to watch this on my own in a house at midnight uh any other film any other horror film i could put it on uh, candy man five times the number uh, of a bomb, 
but the Exorcist always it always gets under my skin, and it's the only one. Uh, the American um, Wolf in London, the sequences running for forest, uh, you know, and it goes all crazy, and you see, uh, you know, all of it. that's the only other horror film that that comes close to the Exorcist for uh, really eerie, scary moments. Other than that, nothing has ever come close. So, so what would you say actually scares you about about The Exorcist? Just the fact that you've got this family, they lead a very normal life, and they say, because they have such a, you know, it's like a, what, an hour, an hour and ten, maybe even an hour twenty before anything really bad happens. It doesn't just show her turning into uh, whatever, you know, uh, doesn't she doesn't just become possessed there's a build-up you know they take her into the hospital they're doing tests with her you know you've got all that machinery and they're clinking the, 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 all the, the horrible sounds of the, the hospital but, like there just seems to be this real build-up and i've always associated the exorcist even when i was quite young i always associate the exorcist more to me anyway as as because it's probably more that i can relate to because i don't believe in the devil i don't believe in ghosts i don't believe in anything but I do believe in mental illness. And I believe that mental illness can creep up on somebody. It can take over their lives. I've always associated the exorcist with this, this, this thing where all of a sudden you could be leading a very normal life. And next thing you know, you're not the same anymore. And I think the exorcist to me represents mental illness. Which is, which is an interesting point of view. And I come from a, obviously a, a Christian point of view, and I do believe in, in real possession. I've, I've, I've seen two examples of it, and it's not something that I'm going to discuss on the podcast. Um, no. But but I, ha- I have I have genuinely seen two examples of of actual real life possession, and I don't say that lightly, and I'm not the sort of person who would say that lightly. But so I know we're coming from two different places here. But what I find interesting as well is is the film itself, and the characters, and and even the religious characters, the Catholic uh, priests, and the hierarchy within the film differentiate between mental illness and possession in the film because the majority yeah. of them don't believe that Regan is possessed. They don't even believe in possession. Most of them don't even believe in the actual devil anymore. They, mm. they, they, they think it's a metaphor for evil. Um, yeah. and, and yet at the core of this film is this battle for good and good versus evil. Um, but at the core of this film is an actual real life possession, which if you believe the, um, the, 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 the comments is based on actually a real life example, well documented as well of, yeah. of, of, of a, of a real possession. Um, so this film has got a basis in, 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 in reality that a lot of films about possession don't. Um, and and I don't think that, that had the Exorcist been hadn't had that not been made, we wouldn't get the films that we now have, um, which which deal with possession in the way they do. Uh, so there's an eeriness, a tenure to the the Exorcist, which which almost every other film that that comes after it um, sort of uh, bows its head. Um, it owes a debt that it can't pay, and that, and it feels like that, and it stands the test of time. Um, the, the the practical effects are still incredible. I can't wait to see them in in four K. Um, the, the 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 visual effects absolutely mm. stunning. You know, the sound yeah. is going to sound incredible. Those machine noises you mentioned earlier in <sighs> Dolby Atmos coming around you, that's going to send you insane. I know. I it, know. I, I I'm I, I can't say I'm overly 
I, I know you are. You're very excited about watching it. I'm a little nervous. You know, get like I said, any film that's ever scared me. So uh, watching it, watching 4K, watching it on the Sonos sound system, um, I am a little nervous about putting it on. So I'll, I'll, when I when I do finally get it, I guess for our Halloween special. We'll be able to talk about maybe end up to watch it, but yeah, but but there are films sometimes that get under your skin like that. So if we're going to we'll talk yeah. about for the for the for the Halloween special, we talk about Ghost Watch, um, and and yeah. obviously in memory of Michael Parkinson. But Ghost Watch freaked me out; it got under my skin, um, and and more than The Exorcist did, it really got under my skin, um, and it's not just because it was a. Um, I mean that that delved into possession as well, didn't it? But it wasn't yeah, just um, just the fact that it was um, very well done. It was it was built before its time. And we've talked to get back again about this before uh, reality television really kicked off like it it, it has done. Um, but it but it really got to me, and I found myself kind of thinking about it and dreaming about it in a horrible way uh, for mm. nights afterwards. And that's what horror should do for you. We like horror films because we like being chilled. We like that kind of. You don't want to watch it on your own at night, you know. Watch yeah. it with the with the with the lights on because it really gets to you. And for a yeah. horror film that was made in the seventies to still have that effect on you and countless other people is incredible. And you know, this is this is. I think that's why. I think that's why it's it's so powerful because it was made during a time of change in Hollywood. These are the these are the early films. Rosemary's Baby, you know, it was. It was nobody had ever made a film like that before you know it's what i class as subtle horror um and the exorcist to some degree until you get to the ending it's a very subtle piece of work uh the ending is probably the least subtle thing you could ever watch in your life when she starts uh, head spinning and uh, she's got that crucifix so i mean you know you don't forget that do you god it's not sort of once, uh, no. Yeah, once the no. devil and takes over. That was so. really shocking at the time as well. But I think I think The Exorcist, the films like it that deal with um, the possession of of um, of younger children or or, mm. or or not adults, is the the ultimate of. Um, well, it, it it cuts across the. I always thought the final taboo of horror, which is you don't you don't kind of kill children, babies particularly. Yeah, in horror films, it's a taboo that, that that won't stand, and will probably mean your film doesn't get uh, watched very much. Because most family, even horror horror hardened family members, won't watch things where babies die. It's just I can't no. do that. Um, but it's it's the ultimate defilement of purity, yeah. which which is everything that the devil stands for. Uh, you know, taking this thing that is that is pure and holy and defiling it in the most obscene way. Um, is very much at the heart of what The Exorcist is about. But I love the Merrin versus Pazuzu battle. You know, this mm. battle that, that they've met before. You know, we talked yeah. about the iconic sequence with the, the horrible demonic statue and Merrin standing there. And you're thinking, this is going to be great. And it is. It's mm. it's about these two kind of yeah. forces that are just sort of this final battle. And Merrin loses. And that's it. Mm. I mean, that's it. He loses. And and you can't really argue that Damien um, um, wins because the the poor priest gets possessed, yeah, and then falls and down that horrendous staircase, which is horrific. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 the 
an absolute uh, story of uh, good versus evil, and and you know, not all, not in every scenario does uh, does good always win. Uh, you you could say that, that that you know good prevails in the Exorcist due to self sacrifice, um, which. I mean that's 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 the whole point of the film, isn't it? He, he sacrificed so that the girl could have a have a full life. So it's it's hmm. kind of a feel good ending. Um, yeah, and then and then the heretic comes along and ruins it all. Well, that that's a that's a franchise killer. Now <laughs> it should have been, it should have been, but it wasn't because the Exorcist three came along, I guess, in nineteen ninety, and and um, I, I I really like that film. I know, I know, I suppose it. You know, after the second one, it didn't have a lot to beat, but it it went in a different direction in in a mental institute, um, and it's, there's something about that film that, uh, that that made it different enough from the first two, definitely from the Heretic, because they could not have made <laughs> made part three that followed that film. There was just no way. But yeah, about the third one. That it, you could kind of still say the uh, the uh, second one, the Heretic, did kill the franchise because that came out in seventy nine, and Exorcist three didn't come out until nineteen ninety. Yeah, so it, it killed decade, it for eleven yeah. years. Yeah, it did. And 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 really, the Exorcist three is not anything to do with the Exorcist, other than the 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 the. the I mean, the actual Exorcism, which wasn't supposed to be there anyway. It it could be any other that- film, couldn't it? Yeah, and I think it only got made because the it was the writer of The Exorcist that directed the third one. So it was kind of like a uh, like a passion project. Maybe the studio went to him and said, "Look, you know, you've got a new book out. Um, you know, do you do you want to direct?" Because um, I know a lot of the time writers in in, in Hollywood they they get asked to direct films. Uh, in some cases, it's just so that they can actually use the name, you know, like uh, having Stephen King come in and direct Maximum Overdrive. You know, it must have been a real, it must have been a real treat for the studio to actually get Stephen King directing, and then they, <laughs> then it gets put out there. And there's a reason why Stephen King is a writer and he's not a director. Although that is, I love Maximum Overdrive for its culty, cheesy, wacky, quirky, surrealistic. Uh, but is it a good film? No, but I do. It's a good classic. It's just entertaining. To... Yeah, Estevez makes King it a good film. Direct. And also, yeah. Maximum Overdrive is a good film because that incredible truck. We could even include that in this discussion because it is about possession. Maximum Overdrive. Those trucks, those vehicles. In fact, anything electronical, they're getting taken over. They're being possessed. What is it by a meteor that's going across? It's weird, isn't it? Yeah, and, 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 yeah, yeah, and then and then they go back to yeah. It's it's very strange, but <laughs> but they're they're like circling around the diner and yeah, and, like like are they hungry? Do they want to eat? I don't know. What are they doing? They want to eat people. Want to kill them, don't they? Just kill. Yeah. yeah, but no, not a good film. Not well directed, but it just it's got a it's, a charm. Yeah, but it's not it's not so bad. It's good charm. It's just. I can't even figure it out. No, is it I can't because, work it out. It's because it's got Stephen King part of it, and you know, there's always that thing, isn't there? You know, it's, oh, it's a, it's you know, made from a, a Stephen King film, or it just having a Stephen King, you know, the brand to it. But it goes on that, 
because the, the is it because you know we have Emilio Estevez? Like, is it is it is it because we, you know, we get a kick out of seeing Emilio Estevez in bad films? Because he's he's done a few stinkers. He's, he's quite good. I don't know. It's just a. I just I think that truck's awesome. The one with the yes. little pics, you know, the, very iconic. Yeah. So, so um, I'll tell you another film that has elements of, of both possession and, and the biblical kind of angels, demons thing. I think it's a brilliant film. Uh, mm. Paul Bettany starring film Legion. Um, oh, you, if you haven't seen it, it's, Legion. It's, yeah, it's, it's really good. Talking about Max, it's got a bit of maximum overdrive about it, actually, because they're all stranded in a diner. Oh, um, okay. And Paul Bettany plays the archangel Michael. Has to protect this unborn child, um, and 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 there's lots of demons that are trying to get in as well, and and uh, there's a very unpleasant sequence with a with an old lady with a very naughty mouth on her, um, who who gets possessed as well. Um, but Paul Bettany is Michael, absolutely brilliant. But it's got this kind of, uh, well, biblical sort of plague apocalyptic thing going for it. And um, it's really good. I mean, people panned it. I, I don't think people right. people don't like biblical stuff nowadays. Um, no. And and yeah, it's 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 very devil's advocacy, if I can say that. Mm. Yeah, it, yeah, it's worth watching. It's very good. Paul Bettany's brilliant in it. That's how, you. You had me at maximum overdrive. Uh, I have no idea what sort of film this is going to be if it's got maximum overdrive. Yeah, it it it's it's it is. If the trucking uh, trucking maximum overdrive could be seen as an ice cream truck. It, uh, well, yeah, I can't hear you now. I don't know whether you're you're stunned into silence or we've just lost the uh, the, the connection. Well, I can't. I can see your mouth moves. See, this is ironic because I'm I'm supposed to um I'm supposed to have the uh, uh this is an internet problem. I think we'll just hang on, and I think we fixed that. So I was just for the benefit of uh, Tony, who didn't hear my comments, was maximum overdrive um for Legion. Uh, the main the main iconic moment with with the vehicle is an ice cream truck, and it's just like, oh, oh okay oh. A possessed ice cream truck. Well, it's not really the no. They're they're carrying the 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 demons are possessing ah. human beings, but but they happen to be yeah. possessing this man who used to work in an ice cream truck. He doesn't anymore. He just drives it. But yeah. but yeah. So so this, I think it's the idea as well with p- possession um, uh, as being so unnatural. And and the way that the body distorts when someone's possessed, uh, the the mouth also the voice distorts as well. Um, often accompanied by languages that they got no business learning and stuff. It's just kind of intriguing, isn't it? Do you think maybe because we we both represent two 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 ends of a of a spectrum, you know, with your religious beliefs and my lack of. Do you think that when it comes to you know Hollywood making films, you know, like The Exit or whatever. Do you think that because, you know, like even if you don't believe in those kind of things, but you do believe that, that, you know, mental illness is a thing that can strike, you get films like that and it can target both uh, people with religious beliefs, but then people like myself. And both me and you could get the same scares and the same anxieties from watching the same piece of art. 
but we see it from different points of view. Yeah, I, I think that's an interesting point. I think so, yeah. I mean, I, I get the mental illness side as well. So, um, yeah, but, see, but I, that's not the main thing for you, no, though, no. And, as it is for me. And, and I read um, the instances in, in the New Testament, particularly where, where, where Jesus is coming to, um, in, in, to encounter instances where people are possessed and he talks to yeah. the things that are inhabiting the, the, the human beings. Um, so Jesus distinguishes between illness and um, and actual possession. I mean, the the the, uh, the legion we are many, um, which yeah. I believe featured in which is the name of the book that was the sequel to the Exodus. Exodus, that's where it comes from. Um, is is about a, a a horde of of demons that were then put into um, asked to go into, asked permission to go and possess some pigs, and then they go into the river and they die. So. Um, so there is this biblical tenure in, in with that, but I've often thought as well that, and and the same with with sort of the Middle Ages and and the Witchfinder trials and things that people didn't understand homeopathy, uh, herbology, um, and also depression and mental illness at that stage. So quite often, yeah. lots of examples of of, of schizophrenia uh, and mental illnesses were wrongly diagnosed or, or labelled as, as demonic possession when they were yeah. actually mental illness. Yeah. So there's there's that point as well, um, and and it's interesting um, going on that journey with the Catholic Church. And to some extent, there are films that pick up on it. So Anthony Hopkins' film starring the the ritual. Uh, is very much the Catholic in the Church in the modern day, where there are still shadowy organisations within the mm. Catholic Church who 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 still believe that that demonic possession needs to be countered, um, and and but the general feeling is it's mental illness and people just need yeah. to be mentally well, and, and that means that in these, I mean, look at um, look at uh, Keanu Reeves' film starring um, plays a plays an exorcist. But he's ill. Const- the Constantine. Constantine, yeah, Constantine. Yeah. Um, same thing. Um, so, so you've got this organisation where even the church doesn't believe in demon possession mm. anymore. Um, that yeah. it's kind of an interesting place for horror films to be based in, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> and like I say, it, it does. It, it can. It can bring. You know, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, I. I it does. It does seem to be like it. Like the exorcist going to the cinema wouldn't um you know it wouldn't be a box it wouldn't be not a box office it because it's only got the religious people going to watch it and be scared of it, it, it like non-believers uh you know see it as their favorite horror film so but and, and actually we're when it, getting something from it yeah and actually but yeah but when it came out the christians kept away from it and placarded the uh the, the cinemas was, uh, which yeah, gave it even 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 yeah. bigger bigger notoriety and then gave it even yeah. more of a of a of a of a hit status because it came it came this 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 film that that the church tried to ban which is yeah. which is the kiss of the opposite the kiss of death for a horror film isn't it you need that Although that that being said, there's 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 a few parts of the the old Exorcist marketing campaign which, uh, you know, I don't necessarily believe in because uh, it's still to this day being done. You know, like uh, you know with horror films, uh, what was it, uh, the, the, the Terrifier two? Yeah. Uh, or seventeen people were sick in their in their seats whilst watching this. Five people fainted. Like I mean, the Exorcist started the, their marketing campaign with. Uh, you know the the film that the church tried to ban. Uh, people was uh, having a heart attack whilst watching it. it. You know we had we had to carry out two or three 
there from faintings and get the ambulance. Like their marketing strategy was to make out that you could uh, be possessed watching a film like this. I mean, them it was way ahead of their time, you know. It, way it ahead was. Of it was. Blair- which project and anything like paranormal activity and 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 again moving back to Ghostwatch, where actually people were being possessed through their television you know you that would not be happening now and yeah and it's like people saying oh you know after the film they had to clear up pools of sick on people's seats and you're thinking and you watch it now and you think even allowing for 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 the for the special effects and stuff that's just extreme marketing who believes this sort of marketing rubbish Ghostwatch happened i think Probably at the best time it did in in the history of films and TV. It did. It was perfect. Yeah, no social media, no way for people to contact each other, and and you know, like you could you could be like nowadays something like that would happen. You'd message people, and you'd have five or six people. It'd be trending as fake TV, and then you'd be like, "Fake is it?" And then you'd be doubting yourself. Whereas back then, you had nothing to go off other than. This is this is live. This is Michael Parkinson. This is real. This is live. Parkinson didn't do that sort of thing, and neither did Sarah Green either. No. And, and, and okay, she, Charles. No, no. And, so... and I'm 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 as interested in watching the documentary as as watching it again because they yeah. I, and I've read interviews they genuinely are saying now, and I believe them that they hadn't meant it to to be coming across as real. And and they they are saying, well, we we didn't mean it because it was it said it was written. Who re- who reads that? Who, who watches all you have to do is miss that or not pick up on it and it's it, it was one credit that's uh, written by that was a legal disclaimer wasn't it? they did it legally yeah. they intended that to be made i don't care what they say if they're still lying that's up to them they're probably doing it because of some lawsuit or whatever or keeping up the yeah. mystique but they intended that to be made into it into a into yeah. a or intended it to be like it was real that was part of its 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 draw and at a point where where the Derek Derek Akara and the Ghost Watch sort of the you know sort of going into haunted houses and things was at its kind of fury, it was huge, wasn't it? So most haunted, yeah, yeah absolutely Ridiculous. massive. It was perfect yeah. timing, and it really worked. Yeah, yeah and th- and that's why you don't have like that that on now because it's uh, well, you know, the, most most haunted was just notorious for. Um, them just happened to be there when a haunting was taking place. Oh, every week they, they was filming, which was incredible. Uh, <laughs> I mean, who in their right mind would believe that? But but I've seen a few of them, and they are entertaining. Like they're, they're no different to watching a horror film. You know, not real. I, I watch Most Haunted, knowing it's not real. But there's something about the atmosphere of it. You know, it's entertaining watching these people pretend there's something happening. Um, there's something quite creepy, and, and you know, it's just like TV. I. I I, I didn't watch them, but I did enjoy them. But I never, for a second, believed anything that was that was ever happening. And then, and then Ghostwatch happened, and you're thinking, <laughs> well, Ghostwatch, I, Ghostwatch, I believed every second of every moment. I, I, I mean, I, I think I was twelve. Uh, I was at the prime age of uh, of not knowing any different. Like I was, it was just the best age to watch that it was. and then go to the school the next day. People were genuinely ringing in the BBC to to say that they were seeing pipes, the the, the protagonist everywhere, yeah. and it's like yeah. this. It was incredible, and then it was banned for years. Yeah. So which which just adds to it, and now it's come I out. Don't and think it's it's ever looked- been- 
glorious... I don't think it's ever been replayed on TV, has it? No, it hasn't. And it's in this glorious Blu-ray um, version, yeah. which is just incredible. I, I'm very much looking forward to watching it. Um, and it's so much more effective than jump scares because it gets under your skin. Any director can do a jump scare. You just go, boot, you know, and... and, and Anyone, it takes real skill and finesse to craft a piece of film or TV which gets under people's skin and really, really kind of gets to them. That that takes skill and, and effort, and that's why I love horror films. They they are just a great example of how you can put a, horror, a film together which just can totally take over an audience, possess them if you like. Mm. Do you know this is? Um, I, I... You know, we were saying, oh, they must have known what they was doing. Yeah, I, I 100% believe that they knew what they was doing because I, I don't, I'm not aware that there has ever been um, another attempt at uh, what Orson Welles did with War of the Worlds, you know, when they did the, 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 the radio broadcast. No, absolutely not. And and I think they, they started the broadcast with today's play <laughs> yeah, will be War of the Worlds. And then, but the thing is, most people back in those days, what was it, 40s, uh, would just tune in into the, into the radio um, as, and, as and when, you know, like if they just came in from work or whatever, they just put the radio on. And so they wouldn't have caught the first few minutes where they said, today's play of the week is War of the Worlds. Um, so they genuinely believed it. And and like to me, Ghostwatch is the most perfect sequel idea to War of the Worlds. Except War of the Worlds was done in America, Ghostwatch was done over here. They knew exactly what they was doing. They knew people would be tuning in a few minutes after it started. Probably didn't see that there was a, a beginning credits. They knew what they was doing. No, they totally knew what they were doing, and I don't really understand why they're still saying. Oh, we genuinely didn't mean that to happen. I don't. I don't know why yeah, this. Like, what, what are they scared of? Yeah, no one's going to lawsuit still. I know it, <laughs> it, it. It really confuses me that 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 they're still that they're still kind of saying that. Um, yeah. But but it's it's the same thing. And but it's weird though when a film has that effect on you. So you're watching a film like Nightmare on Elm Street or something where it's clearly not real. It's not going to happen. Yeah. But it gets to you so much that it could possibly happen. You know, what if someone invented the the the, the way to invade someone's dreams? Um, it just sticks with you, and then you think, "Well, I'm not safe anymore." You know, I, mm. I, 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 anything could happen. Um, and I, I think that there is a, even if you don't believe in in actual possession, there is an appetite for films where people's behaviour, where they start acting a little bit weirdly isn't perhaps perhaps it's a little bit something that's a little bit more insidious, a little bit more kind of evil than than just your normal common or garden mental illness. Perhaps there is something yeah. that we can't see that's beyond our kind of realm of perception. Um that 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 is that has some truth in it. And and I I think people like like that possibility that even if they don't believe it, perhaps they like to, you know, even if it's just yeah. for the, the nature of the, you know, for an hour and a half, for two hours, they, they have an opportunity to actually kind of suspend their disbelief a bit. I don't know. I think you're spawn because, you know, when it comes to the Friday the 13th franchise, uh, we both know how bad they get after, like, two i guess yeah <laughs> but but it's so bad it's good well the thing that i absolutely love about the friday the 13th franchise is the supernatural element and you could say the same for michael myers my favorite aspect is that supernatural element 
that there is something other than a man in this body. Yeah. Because, you know, he, he obviously gets burnt and shot and buried and uh, he's just like he's uh, submerged underwater. He's like he's not he's not, never going to come out of that. Only somebody possessed uh, could could actually come back for another Friday the 13th film. So I love the supernatural element of, of any of these, you know, hockey mask, whatever killers. Um, that to me makes these films far scarier than, than if you was to say, like say, for example, the first Friday the 13th film and it's the mum. Well, a, a, a possessed being coming after you that cannot be stopped is terrifying. Believe it or don't believe it, it doesn't matter. That is a villain that 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 is terrifying to watch. Yeah, and because they can't be stopped with normal means, so yeah. so just shooting Michael Myers <laughs> uh, isn't going to make any difference. He's going to go, ooh, that tickled. <laughs> yeah, badly <laughs> irritating. You know, and, and this unstoppable force. It's the same with the thing. You know, you can class yeah. that. You know, it may not be the devil, but there is there is an element at the, right at the heart of the thing of of possession. And once this thing takes over you, you're yeah. not yourself anymore, and yet yeah. you look like you're yourself. Yeah, there's something unnerving about that. I mean, on that basis, you know, that's maybe one of the reasons why. The Invasion of the Body Snatchers franchise is, is one of my favourite franchises of all time. It's that fear of not being yourself anymore. You know, yeah. it's, it's an amazing concept. Yeah, and, and, and what's going on beyond your perception? So Exorcist 3, you know, you're in, a, you're in an old people's sort of environment and then there's this weird thing that's beyond your eyesight but, but above your heavy locking up which, where she's, she's crawling across the floor, uh, across the ceiling, yeah. sorry. Yeah, It's yeah. freaky. Yeah, yeah. It just... and, who, and, and who's going to believe you if you're in a mental institute when you're saying, I see people crawling along the, the, the ceilings? Like, um, that's the perfect place to possess someone, surely. Well, and, and the ultimate, <laughs> for me, the ultimate scare in the third one is, where, is, is, is the, where, where it all calms down and all of a sudden, for, with no warning at all, that horrific white figure in, 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 the, uh, in, the, in the cowl mm. or the, just kind of walks straight across in front of the camera and, yeah. and and then this walks off camera again. That yeah. that that bit scares me. That yeah. bit gets me every time. That's deeply disturbing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- th- what I was saying to you earlier about the Exorcist being the only the only film that really got under my skin. I, to some degree, the Exorcist three did the same thing. I haven't I haven't seen it since I was a kid. Um, so I can only go off the fact that. The last time I watched it, or the only time I watched it, it really it did affect me a bit. Um, so I, I'd, it'd be interesting to see what I think of the Exorcist three now as an adult. Yeah, knowing I mean, what little I know as an adult, there's probably bits you don't buy into, like the whole Damien crawling into crawling from the swamp thing. Um, swamp thing. <laughs> I didn't do that on purpose. <laughs> um, you know, sort of managing to sustain himself. You know, well, he fell down a flight of stairs. Uh, yeah, it, it, the, the, that whole bit doesn't make any sense. But again, what's back mm. in the third one is this feeling of pervasive illness, illness, evil, evil. This, this, yeah. this that that you know that the Blumhouse has got you just without even seeing it, you know it's there. Have you seen the trailer? Yeah, 
Yeah, we 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 both chatted about it. As soon oh, as of course it came we did. On. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Yeah, and it was um, exactly what we wanted. I'm speaking for you, like we're a married couple now, but it's exactly what what me and Daniel wanted. From it was though. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. It, it, it was, and and you know, I I'm one of the very rare few, rare number of people who likes the the prequels. Yeah. Both of them actually. I yeah. really like the prequels. Um, they, they're, again, not without their flaws. Of course they're no. not. But I like both prequels. Um, yeah. But this is right back to to what you wanted in the sequel. And and Blumhouse is doing that. He's, you know, he's done it with Halloween. Same yeah. crew he's got around him. Same director. Um, yeah. He's going to do... You know he's going to do it with the next trilogy of the Exorcist. This is taking the Exorcist in the way that, that, that probably Freakin wanted him to do. It must have had his blessing. Um there's also a lovely uh, comment with the review that I made about the, the, the timing of the 50th anniversary release of, of The Exorcist on 4K, uh, only a week after Freakin died. He must have seen it, and his his production team and himself were very much involved with the restoration and the 4K work. So it must it must feel good for his estate to know that even that many years on his work is still being remembered with the respect it deserves interesting to see if there's any uh, new uh, or recently made documentaries with friedkin um because for, i didn't i didn't know this but friedkin is absolutely crazy uh, we've <laughs> i said it in the nicest possible way but he's he's absolutely insane um he just, just watch a, a freaking interview, you know, with with either on a talk show back in the day. Um, I, I know that he was interviewed uh, in a in a classic in a classic interview that's on YouTube in in reference to The Exorcist and people saying that it it should be banned and this and that. And he's got a very blunt. Uh, he doesn't hold back. Um, I guess he's one of the most feared people in Hollywood that you could have just been in a room with to talk to because what if you got on the wrong side of Friedkin? Uh, like he's the most brutally honest person. And I find his interviews incredible. So when when you find, you know, something that makes like The Exorcist, The French Connection, those kind of films, and then watch an interview with the man, the director, you're like, ah, well, that makes perfect sense because only somebody like that could make something as amazing as the films he's made. He he won't take anything from anybody. He's that kind of person. He's not subtle. He's not at all, is he? Not you know, subtle. Someone says that and yeah. he's like, yeah, most people will be like, well, you know, and he's just like <laughs> Yes, he's got he's got colourful words for people who don't yeah, very work. colourful words, yeah. And, and 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 they're under no illusion as to what he thinks about them or, or you know what no, their effect. No, he doesn't. Yeah. But the public opinion against the Exorcist was so so massive. The backlash was so huge. It didn't come out on DVD until it was the it was the nineties, wasn't it? It was. It didn't come out on DVD until it the was. 90s. It was the late. Yeah, it was. It was the late nineties before it got uh, um, a, a a classification. I've got a feeling. Yeah, it was that banned until the nineties. Um, yeah, yeah, it was. DVD was the first opportunity it had. I think. I think the BBFC had a huge shift. In you know, maybe somebody else new took over to the point where it was there was a lot of banned films all of a sudden coming through on DVD that never got a VHS certificate. Well, and The Evil Exorcist Dead was one, was one of them as well, wasn't it? It got released. 
Well, the Evil Dead was was released, but we cut. But the uncut um, version of the Evil un- Dead. Uncut, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember seeing the uncut version of the Evil Dead for the first time. I think, wow, um, I hadn't seen that tree bit before. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and you're thinking, I shock. didn't really necessarily need to see that now. No, I can't. I can't say that. That, that that's. Uh, there are. I mean, I don't believe in censorship. So this is a very awkward situation. I don't believe in censorship, but then there's also things where I I don't believe in certain things that need to be in films. Uh, but you kind of just you kind of have to brush past them and just. I'm happy it's uncensored. It was a, it was a different era. It was, it was the exploitation era, and rightly was, or wrongly, I think wrongly, yeah. it it was it was it was okay to film. Uh, uh, um, I can't <laughs> bring myself to. <laughs> inappropriate shrubbery yeah yeah if we had if we had show titles this show would be called inappropriate shrubbery <laughs> yeah this is this is uh yeah the 80s uh, but that came off the 70s i mean the exorcist you could say rosemary's baby the exorcist these are the films that started a brand new wave in hollywood of of let's 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 push the envelope even further and by the early 80s it was the vhs era you know this was the era of of how can we shock people what can we what can we do to get this film banned interestingly Um, as well thinking of rosemary's baby rosemary's baby and the exorcist i think lose it in the last scene or the last couple of scenes rosemary's baby all hail adrian really it's not needed no, and yeah. and you know her cooing over over this demonic baby uh, um, in 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 the cot, it just loses everything. And 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 to some extent, the the exorcist loses some of its mystique in the last bit where he tips himself out. There's that. Firstly, there's a doesn't his face go weirdly red for some reason? Yeah, it does. Yeah, I, it I don't does. know why that happened. That was weird. Wasn't that to show that he had become possessed? Because his eyes, all of a sudden, didn't they? Didn't they have like a bit of a, uh, you know, like a werewolf glowing eyes? But, that, just it, but his face went window. red. It was like he'd eaten too much beetroot, and it was weird. And that was like really, and then and then throwing himself out the window. No, uh, the, yeah. But- Interesting to see what four K does that because sometimes whatever mistakes they made with the color correcting in the old days, uh, the four Ks seem to be. Uh, making amends on certain things. I'm, you know, if it's if this face was as red as you believe, maybe <laughs> they change that in the color. It, it was a bit, yeah. Ho- I mean, hopefully, but yeah. I don't recall. Don't ever. I only recall the eyes. I don't recall. Um, I don't really recall the face going in. Perhaps I mis- misunderstand that. I, I mis- mis- remembering. I just remember being quite disappointed with the ending. Yeah. Because it yeah. just. Like, huh. It is a very quick ending, though, isn't it? It, it? it does. It does. It does end really quickly. Um, but but yeah. So so we're moving on to the the Evil Dead franchise. Very much possession at the heart of it. You know the the, the Deadites. Um, yeah. And and I, I like I like the fact that the first Evil Dead and the second Evil Dead don't tie up particularly well together. They're, they're, well, they won't. It's a remake. <laughs> But, but it, it is, it is a remake. But, but, but it's not the same remake. Is no, it? it's a one's serious and one comedy. It's so yeah, so, so the first one is a serious horror film, which which is, is incredible. It, it's an incredible Proper exploitation. Yeah, I love I love the deadite camera work. You know, with that oh, thing. Yeah. And yeah, and then the second one's a sequel with more with with more budget, and 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 it's funny. Do you know what? what like. What I, I still can't get 
my head around it. So, okay, we've got Evil Dead. It was a, a cult, low-budget, underground, like, midnight movie hit. Uh, and then five, maybe four or five years later, a studio came aboard and said to Sam Raimi, we really love your Evil Dead. Uh, we don't, we don't want to follow the story on. We want to redo that story, which pretty much as a re- complete shot-for-shot remake, um, except we want it to be spoofy comedy. Like, I don't... I, I, I don't understand how you can go from making such a serious film, which, I mean, it did have black comedy elements, I'll give it that, but the second one is pure, full-on, you know, it's, it, it, in a weird sort of way, it's like Sam Raimi sold out a little like, well, the studio want me to go all spoof on this. Um, and in some ways, I, I, I don't know, I, if I'm in the mood for a horror, I'll put the first one on. I, I do always prefer the second one because the pacing's a lot better, it's a lot quirkier, it's a lot easier to watch. Um, and then the third one, it's not even an Evil Dead film. It's, it's it's Army of Darkness, but it at least carries on the second film. Yeah, I mean, It's just a weird franchise. It is, type, it's strange, it? but he's always got this quirkiness. I mean, look at what he did with Drag Me to Hell. Yeah. Which is an incredible exactly. film. I mean, it's an incredible film. But that gets it better, right? It gets that, that horror comedy balance much better than Evil Dead 2. You know, Drag Me, Me to Hell is an incredible horror film. And yeah. it's and it's funny as well. Yeah, yeah. I I love drag me to drag me to hell. I think it's really really clever. But he, again, with the, with uh, with the uh, with the um um uh Ash TV series yeah. gets that balance right. So perhaps in the back in the day they hadn't kind of worked out. This is post scream, pre scream as well. Way oh, pre scream, yeah, obviously. By, by a long time. Yeah. yeah. So perhaps perhaps up to that point they've really not got the horror comedy. As we like it now, that balance yeah. right entirely. Yeah, yeah. I think you're right. I think I think um, you know, like like you wouldn't remake uh, the first film the same with a. Um, so I, I just think that maybe the the, the 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 studio looked at the first film. They loved the black comedy element, you know, with the crazy movement of the camera, the the sound effects, the things on the you know the things that are alive, the animals that are alive on the wall. Dead by dawn. Dead by dawn. <laughs> just, just those really quick, and you know, and, and then you got Bruce Campbell, who's just, you know, I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty cool in the first one, yeah. but the, but they they wanted to make him an iconic, and you they know, did. Like Jason Michael, you know, these these kind of the iconic horror characters, and I just think that they really wanted to uh, almost comic book him up a little bit for that film. Like yeah. They knew what they was doing. They, they they really did. They they did, and then and then and then then the TV series kind of really really kind of like milks that. So it's not at yeah. all surprising, I guess, when they when they're looking to reboot for the what was it twenty thirty? Is it? I want to say twenty thirty. Was it twenty thirteen? The yeah, two thousand thirteen. I'm going to rewatch the that. One. I'm going to rewatch yeah. that and see whether I like it because yeah. I I've got a feeling I, I my taste got a has, problem with it. <laughs> but I, I've got a feeling my taste has changed. I might like it more now. So, um, yeah, yeah. I, if they're gonna if they're gonna reboot it, at least they rebooted it from the first one, so they lost the comedy yeah. aspect. So I think they've done the comedy bit now. I think that would not have worked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the 2013 reboot was uh, it felt like they'd gone back to the origins, the first film, like it was a it was a fun horror film, um, and uh, the, the same with it. it, it 
uh, Evil Dead Rises, uh, without us talking about that too much now, um, that to me was was exactly the same. They 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 didn't throw too much comedy in there. I don't even know if I laughed once, so maybe maybe no comedy. No, I didn't laugh. No, and and <laughs> and also, and we'll talk about this at the, at a normal spot yeah. at the end of the show. But yeah. they made the right decision and moved away from the cabin in the wood thing because the cabin in the wood, yeah. I think, finished that that whole cabin in the wood thing off. Two thousand thirteen did that. Yeah, so, you can't yeah. once you've once you've watched that's the definitive haunted cabin yeah. in the wood film it's like where do you go after that anything else is going to be measured by that standard and it's going to be less that's why the third one uh is is so bizarre because the end of the second one i don't know if they they had a plan to ever make a film i'm guessing they didn't because it's like it's like well how crazy can we make the ending <laughs> you know like a time portal i know Ash is, you know, he's 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 because he'd lost an arm and put a gun in its place. He'd got his car. It all gets sucked up, and it, you know, and it, he ends up in the medieval times. That was such crazy, cool ending. And then, and then, Army of Darkness came out. And I remember watching the trailer before the film properly came out, and saw the trailer, and it was like they've actually made a film around that ending concept. How have they done that? And do you know what? I know, I know, it wasn't as popular because it wasn't classed as a horror film, but it, it had elements of horror, and it was brilliant. It was funny as well. It's the bit where he's getting the and it, and it's riffing on its own sort of law. <laughs> yeah, so he's trying he's to remember. Itself. He's trying to remember how to actually kind of um, what he's supposed to say. He gets it wrong. Those are... <laughs> <laughs> and 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 evil Ash as well. Evil Ash, yeah. <laughs> And Breeze Campbell does slapstick so well, doesn't he? They well, they they got out on the second Evil Dead, didn't they? So yeah, and and yeah, it, it's it's not remotely scary. Um, no, and it's not supposed to be. It's very tongue in cheek. And then he gets stuck in back in time, and he's and he's it's like, oh, he's not going to get out of this. That's it. With the with the ending that that he oversleeps and his uh, yeah civilization has ended. <laughs> and he wakes up and it, and it's gonna it's it's kind of like um it's lurched into Planet of the Apes territory with a no <laughs> thing yeah he's overslept yeah I think that was the I think that was our ending I've got a feeling that the Americans had a different ending it ended in a supermarket or something because uh, it, it it was many 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 years before they included the alternate uh, U.S. ending uh, on anything that we could watch and. Um, I don't know. I, I still think I prefer the 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 absolutely crazy ending of him oversleeping. Yeah, I do. It just fits. The, <laughs> yeah, the 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 inner supermarket ending. I felt it was a bit of a cop out. It just yeah yeah. It just yeah. It just sort of felt a bit too bit too Evil Daddy. Like it didn't it didn't have that big insane ending like the second film had. Whereas the the oversleeping was the the Planet of the Apes ending. I love that. So, um, so I want to give an honourable mention to the Exorcism of Emily Rose, the two thousand and five film, again based yeah. on a true story. Uh, I mean, Scott, I, I really rate Scott Derrickson as a as a director, uh, and he's he, he's got some really great films, and he's got a really really incredible eye. The pacing for the for the film was really good, but Tom Wilkinson, who I think is pretty much brilliant in everything, as as yeah, the father is. that's on trial for yeah. um, the, the the exorcism that went wrong. I believe yeah. this was also based on a true story as well. Yeah, yeah. basically, it is based on a true story. 
Um, so, so, she, so this exorcism, which ended up with the death of the girl, um, great film again based yeah. on true story, um, similar in terms of style to The Exorcist, but has some yeah. really interesting legal ramifications, which is one of the reasons why the Catholic Church moved moved away from um, the whole exorcism as part of their rites and rituals and things, because there were some legal connotations that were quite unpleasant. Because yeah. obviously, the whole the whole concept of an exorcism whether you believe it or not, um, is a is a violent, sort of yeah. dangerous um, area to be in. And the Bible supports that as well. You know, yeah. you, you don't go up against the forces of darkness until you're properly armed because you could end up dead. Yeah. You know, so so there is that kind of that kind of yeah, you don't want to be doing that lightly. Um no. and and I and I'm trying so yeah, that that was a very serious, very, very good film, very well executed as well. Uh, I'm trying to think of, aside from Repossession, the horrible Leslie Nielsen film, whether there are any decent comedies about uh, exorcism. I can't think of any. I think that's the only one that I know about where they've where they've spoofed it. Yeah, we had Linda Blair in it as well. She said she came on. Of course it, of course it did. I mean, that's the selling point: Leslie Nielsen and Linda Blair, the the original. So, yeah, uh, but it didn't work. It didn't work, and I, I love Leslie Nielsen, but I found that his uh, latter part of his career, um, his fil- maybe maybe Repossessed was maybe his last funny film uh, that, that that I saw. I, I I I just I didn't I don't know if he was just making them for the sake of making them after that. Oh, he so probably that was. was. Of the ni- beginning of the nineties, so you yeah. could argue that Beetlejuice has a lot of possession in it. Yeah, Be- Beetlejuice is uh, well. Yeah, it's, it's not really demon possession though. It's ghost possession, isn't it? It's more inhabitation. <laughs> it's more borrowing the borrowing the cute body for a. I love Beetlejuice. He's inhabiting your graveyard. One. He's in the model <laughs> graveyard. <laughs> I think I think they're going to do a good job with the second one because it it sounds it sounds like you know if Blumhouse was going to do Beetlejuice to it. They 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 seem to have the right elements. They've got the the, the, the original cast coming back. Um, it just it just it, it sounds like it could work. Do you know? You see, I get excited about. It. I watched Batman um, in four K yesterday night, and there's that bit where Michael Keaton goes slightly Beetlejuice. You know the bit by the fireplace <laughs> is when he's like he yeah. cracks the uh, the the fire. Yeah, um, it's the only time he goes a bit and kooky, like, isn't it? Go on, and and it's like. Oh, you've just gone a bit Beetlejuice. There's Beetlejuice there. It is. It's that lunacy. I hope Keaton brings back that lunacy. Because when Michael Keaton goes loony like that, it's just brilliant. Yeah. It's absolutely brilliant. Well, that's because his 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 role as Batman is is so subtle. Um, I don't know about you, but when I watched Beetlejuice, I, I did not believe that was Michael Keaton. Oh, I know. I know. Because I'd only Incredible. ever seen Michael Keaton play it quite serious. It just—it was bizarre to know that he had that in him. It was just oh, it was unhinged. I love Michael Keaton yeah. unhinged. Yeah, I mean, had he had he spent the evening with Nicolas Cage? I mean, but yeah, that's, that's the only—that's the only way that you could go to that level. I know it was—it was—it was incredible. Uh, we we need before we move on to the Evil Dead Rises, we need to talk about the Amityville films because do we have to? Well, we, the first two are really good, aren't they? Again, allegedly yeah, based on a true story. There's, yeah. So, so the evil, the evil, the, the Amityville is um, the first three. 
And I, I found this quite hard to believe, but the first three are theatrical. So MGM would have made the first. The first one was, was yeah, it wasn't too bad. I quite liked the first one. Um, the second one, that's the darker one. That's the Exorcist version of the Amityville films. Um, very, very dark in tone. You know, it's about a guy who kills his, his family, uh, which apparently is, is, is where the original Amityville was based on the people that moved in after that yeah so the obviously the second one is the prequel to that um i find the prequel the the, the second one which is what it was originally based on that is the scariest story that's the one that's like you're watching the exorcist that's part of that kind of uh you know that kind of film uh then the third one um uh, 3d which was obviously a Mm. exploitation let's like let's make it a 3d film because we've got nothing else to throw at this and then four onwards they were all based made, made for tv they were tv movies um until today where because it's kind of in the public domain with the mittyville name everybody is making a mittyville film now there must be about 55 uh unrelated unofficial to the mgm films the, I mean, Amityville Toilet, Amityville in Space, Amityville, just <laughs> hundreds of Amityville in Space. God, yeah, it's just they, they've they've destroyed, they absolutely destroyed the 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 legacy uh, of the first two films. The first film destroyed its own legacy, but it's really, it's really, it's really gone in the toilet now. Do you know the thing I find the most scary about the films, uh, apart from the, the latter ones, the acting, um, the yeah. the house is terrifying. It just look look at that, that house. It's the windows. It's, it's that's the, like, the star people. of the film. Yeah. Now this yeah. is why I hate living where I live because opposite, and you've seen it, opposite yeah. is a church which has With elements the of the amp. Yes, <laughs> terrifies me. I I remember pulling up to your house. For the, uh, I think I've been there a couple of times, but the first time I pulled up to the house, I, I I parked up and got out of the car, and I felt this rush of evil come over <laughs> me. As you know, I'm not religious, but I, I felt like I was partly being possessed just walking towards your house. It was very much like, you know, I was I was the priest in the exit walking over to the house, knowing it's it's in trouble. It's not. It's not our house. Incidentally, this possessed. It's the church. It's, <laughs> that's, I just want to say. Well, that's how. That's how I felt as I approached it your is, house. But, but did, you, did you see? It, I, I remember talking to you about this, and I said I realised this that uh, um, one day I was looking and thinking that church freaks me out. It really freaks yeah, me out. There's something really disturbing. And I, and I I'd researched the, the history of the church, and there's nothing untoward about it at all. Actually, some yeah. of the people, apart from the fact they can't park properly, Christians make the worst parkers. I find. It's like, would Jesus park like that? I think not. Um, but there's something horrible about the building, and it is the windows. It just reminds yeah. me of the Amityville house. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, I have to say, they've got the most unattractive, scary cross ever in a church. It's 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 like <laughs> it it's like it's a pagan ritual cross. It's kind of made of yeah. like bits of wood, and it looks nasty. I, was like, I couldn't go to a church like that. It would just take, just freak me out. Um, so I still, I still get freaked out by the church. But that's the only scary thing about most of the amateurable films. Are that and the flies. And it is interesting that they, they do keep the the windows uh, because you can't copyright, you know, the windows of a house. No. So, the, so all of these films with their posters, 
you know, they've got the iconic windows. And it does, it ties the whole franchise together uh, in a way that it shouldn't because you could see like this like 50 pound made Amityville atrocity. And then it's like, but, it, but the poster looks amazing. It's the Amityville windows. Uh, but that's all it's going to have that's going to resemble the, the first two films. Well, it, it's just a cash grab, isn't it? And I, I can I can it talk is. about this now because I don't think he's going to come on the show, but I have to share in the public domain what happened when I met Colin Baker. I've left it a few weeks. This uh-huh. is not related to possession. I've just popped into my head. I've left it a few weeks just in case he ended up on the show and I had to had to because he'd listen to a show and it'd be embarrassing. But I have to share with with our listeners what happened when I met the actor that played Winnie the Pooh from Winnie the Pooh Blood and Honey or whatever it's called. I'm 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 not knocking the fella, but I'm I'm very shocked that that that, that this uh, what is it like a like a comic con type place mm. that you went to? They'd already booked booked him in. Well, he was he was a late addition because I I'd looked at the, I was watching the because I went to see Colin Baker, Colin Baker lovely. What a legend! What a lovely man. Um, so he signed my Trial of a Time Lord box set, and it was very happy. So I was only going to see Colin. So we were, we were only there for like half an hour. Um, oh, wow, it was a quick visit. <laughs> well, it was. It, there wasn't much there, and and you know, Sylve- I, I saw Sylvester McCoy. Um, yeah. he's, he's how's he looking? Old, old. <laughs> God, he's old. Lovely, lovely, but old. Um, yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, so so in case people haven't gone, you go to these things, showmasters, and these things. You pay uh, to to have an autograph or a photo. I wasn't interested in the photo with with Connor, although he's squap if you snap away when he's there. It's like, oh, his photo, yeah, it's fine. Um, some <laughs> yeah. of them are a bit funny about it, aren't they? But. Yeah, they are. Yeah, yeah. Not, not Colin. Um, so, so I was paying just so he could autograph my Trial of the Time Lord Blu-ray set because, in my view, um, it was the most exciting thing I'd seen in Doctor Two for years up to that point. It was just incredible, and yeah. and and having a brief chat with it, it meant the world to me. But so, so they're they're on they're in tables. They're all, all the people are there are on tables, and you can go up. And you normally have to go up to uh, a table next to the person you want to to meet and pay whatever it is, and then you go and on meet them, have a bit of a word with them, and then off you go. So I went up to the guy who I thought was working for Showmasters to give my twenty quid so that I could get Colin to, to sign my Trial of a Time Lord box set, um, and I said, "Oh, do you think you'll sign this?" And this was the actor who plays Winnie the Pooh, the killer Winnie the Pooh in Blood and Honey. Um, and, and, and I thought, oh, I realized my mistake when I looked down and it was his name. And uh, honestly, I've never, he's a lousy actor. Let's be honest. You know, I don't want to slate people. Oh, he's he's definitely not coming on the show. He's he's proper awful. Um, and, and, you know, that's why they've recast the second one. So the second sequel to Winnie the Pooh, totally recast. Um, and but he seems fine with it. I had a chat with him because I, I thought I can't make this mistake where I basically said to you, do you th- this guy, do you think Colin will sign this? And to be fair, he said, well, you'd have to ask him. He was he was quite nice about it. Yeah. So I basically said to him, I don't know who you are. I think you just work here. It was just, <laughs> but he's actually a guest. So I've I've really <laughs> insulted this guy, uh, and I haven't yeah. meant to. So most people in that situation would have a little bit of a pleasantry and then move on to why they were there. Not me. No, no. I invited him on the podcast. I invited him on the show (laughs) because I felt so bad about it. Um, And and to be fair, after that point, I didn't realise they'd recast. I didn't realise he he wasn't going to be in the sequel. So has he he been cut from our podcast because he's been cut from the sequel? I mean... is that what you've done to this poor guy? No, no, he's, no. he's out. No, he's not. He's, now he's out of us. No, he's not. <laughs> see, I, I, 
he said, I, I said to him, I said, would you like to come? We've got to do a podcast. So we haven't got many lists, but it's a bit, it's a bit niche. Um, and he said, yeah, he said, reach out to me on Instagram. I've reached out to him on Instagram. Nothing. So he's dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So there it is. I, I, wonder, I wondered what this this man had done to scorn you. There it is. It, he's it's, ignored it's, you. It's fine, you know. And, and that's and, the and, way, isn't it? That is the way. But, but this is the worst yeah. thing, isn't it? Someone someone becomes famous for a terrible film that it just captures the imagination because it's so bad, it's bad. And everybody harangues it, everybody pans it, and people yeah. kind of think, I've got to see this film, see if it's just really as bad as people say it is, and it is. Um, yeah. And and it becomes this big cult hit because it's so awful, everybody had to go, no yeah. one's going to see the sequel. No one's going to see it. No one's interested. It's just one of those things. They capitalised on the moment. And and he mm. said, when I was talking to him, he said, they waited for the moment. They got everything to go. Everything was ready to go. Just for the moment where Winnie the Pooh drops into the public domain and then they pounce. Yeah. It's a yeah. cash grab. It's the most oh, obscene yeah. cash grab I have ever heard of in my life. I, I hate everything about this whole concept of this cash grab making a rubbish horror film for next to nothing just because you're you're trading off dirtying Winnie the Pooh's name. It it's yeah. it's just it makes me feel ill. Um so I'm glad it's a terrible film and I'm glad that they recast it because hopefully it will now die the death of a thousand cuts and never be seen again. And that's what I wanted to say about it. Because he's not gonna come on the show and if he does reply, I'm gonna ignore him. <laughs> There we go. This is the uh, this is the industry, though, isn't it? It's, but, uh, it's finding a niche. I mean, yeah. Blair Witch did it. Paranormal Activity did it. Um, the only difference is that the, these are the, the, the filmmakers uh, actually tried to make a, a quality film that, that could stand up on on a, on a you know a theatrical screening and and try and get distribution. But we're living in a very different time where streaming is the new being distributed at a cinema. This is. And this is and this this is what I was saying about the amateur films. They're, you know, the you can have fifty quid and put together a, a you know Mitterville fifty five, and <laughs> uh, and put that out there, and you know somebody would buy it for com- complete their their franchise collection, even if it's an unofficial franchise. But the uh, this is the way of the world now. Independent films rely on rely on uh, already established names uh, to. You know, if there's something gone in the public domain, even in the 80s and 90s, you know, you'd hit film and then producers would say, oh, can I buy the sequel rights, you know, for like, say, 200,000 or whatever. And and then they'd make the really the worst kind of sequel. I mean, I'm, I'm talking scanners here. Scanners, they, they obviously sold the, the sequel rights to, oh, to somebody yeah. and they made a straight to DVD or VHS back then in the 90s. Uh, straight to VHS, Scanners 2, Scanners 3. I think it was 89, 90. Um, and that's a prime example of back in the day where they would buy the rights off a well-successful uh, hit film, uh, and then they'd make really poor straight-to-video sequels. This this era, they don't do any of that. They don't give money out now. They just simply, you know, what's already got a name? Well, Winnie the Pooh, that's the public domain. D- d- domain. A it's in the public domain. We'll just, we'll just make a film based on that. Word of mouth will spread. And uh, where's your uncle? Yeah, so they've made a terrible film. All it has to do is get is get notoriety, and and they're yeah. laughing. And it's and and it yeah. and it betrays the 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 artistic point of a film making a the best film you can with the with the with the ability and the skills that you've got. 
Um, just, it's just all about money, and and it, it's it's sickening. And the only reason that Winnie the Pooh did well was because it was Winnie the Pooh. Um, and 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 he said, "I can't go to anything to do with Disney." And I was thinking, "I'm not surprised. They must hate you." Going <laughs> to Disney, uh, I mean, like that would be on his mind. I mean, uh, I know, he just, but he doesn't like, care. Like... He doesn't. He doesn't care. There's no kind of. Like, I said. I said. I said. I bet Disney hate you. <laughs> And he said, I can't go anywhere near the parks. It's like, he's quite happy. He rocks up at these little con- signing oh. things. People people sign, um, take it, you have a photo with him with his stupid hat, his stupid costume on with his fake knife. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, it, and it's just like, oh. <laughs> Yeah, I think the term is yawn. <laughs> yeah, uh, I just thought it was funny. I thought he worked for Showmaster. It was really funny. So yeah, uh, yeah. so should, should we um, should we move on to Evil Dead Rises because I'm I'm been waiting all day to hear what you thought about this. Yeah, I did tease you this this this. Uh, now, it, I, I said, did I tease you last night by, by telling you that I wouldn't yeah, talk about it until the yeah, show? Yeah, you did. Yeah. yeah. So so I I said to you that I I had <laughs> issues with it and there were bits I, li- I liked and I enjoyed yeah. bits of it, lots of it. Actually. Yeah, yeah. But the main yeah. issue I had was what it what it looked like. So I'm not. Gonna, <laughs> you can go first on this one. I want to hear what you've got to say. <laughs> okay. I the only thing that I remembered you say to me was um, it was too dark, and <laughs> and I um like I, I had no reason to believe you say that it was like an actual darkness, uh, lack of light. I just meant, oh, they went into a very extreme dark tonal place. No, you actually meant proper darkness. And <laughs> <laughs> let, me, let me first of all just say that um, I did like the intro. The intro yes. is very much a rare-footing, the audience intro. Uh, 2013 takes place in a... Of course, it does. It's the Evil Dead franchise, um, but uh, it, it very quickly and, and strangely moves away from the cabin from the beginning, and it goes one day previously. And you're like, uh, okay, why why are we now following this family, and why are we not actually going back to the cabin? I want to go back to the cabin. Why are we not going back to? The... And the thing going on in my mind was, when, when, I think this film is staying here. I don't think we're going back to the like. So, for some bizarre reason, my brain wanted the safety of this cabin, <laughs> uh, even though it's not safe at all. But that's that's what the Evil Dead franchise represents—a cabin—and it takes you out of that. It, it wrong forts you, and it takes place in this uh, this this old uh, apartment building that's uh, being destroyed, like in a month's time. So most of the the occupants have moved out, and so this family and, and a couple of other residents are there. And I tell you what I did I did really love was all of the nods to the previous films and especially mm. the early ones. You know, the fact in the first film the, the bridge goes out and they can't get out, they can't get help. Well, they do a very similar thing in this old the earthquake stops the you know, the stairs break. Mm. They can't get down, they can't get down in the lift, they can't get down in the stairs. They're eventually stuck and trapped on like the third or fourth or fifth floor, whatever they're on. Um, and I thought that was a very clever way of, mm. of, of doing something very similar to the original films with the with the with bridge being out. Um, and then about twenty minutes into the film, there's a power uh, shortage. The powers the powers cut. They're in darkness, and they're actually in dark. I couldn't see a thing <laughs> for, for twenty minutes, and I kept thinking to myself, 
Now, normally when people say that a film or TV show is too dark, my TV comes alive and it, and it, and it, and it gives me light where mm. there is no light for other people. And I was watching, I, and I was thinking, has my TV let me down today? Because I can't <laughs> see anything. There is nothing. For 20 minutes, you're hearing sounds, you're hearing noises, you're hearing that people are being killed, but you don't see anything. And it got very close to me just wanting to turn the film off and return it, or even just second and sell it, or even just use it as a frisbee outside or something, <laughs> what people do. I just got really, really angry and upset, and I felt cheated. And then all of a sudden, they lit some candles. Yeah. And I have never experienced so much joy and happiness for people <laughs> to light candles in a film. And then I was fine after that. Um, so uh, that's what you wanted to hear me say. How much I hated twenty minutes of watching that film because you did. I was the same. I was really frustrated, and I I, I felt exactly the same as that. The opening yeah. was 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 brilliant. Um, yeah, it was it was, it was innovative. <laughs> it had it had newness, and I knew it was going to the high rise because I'd read I'd read yeah. that that's where it was going, and I was fine yeah. with that. Now I've yeah. seen dark films, like dark yeah. coloured films, <laughs> like The Crow, for example. Very dark, yeah. very gothic. Very dark. Even seven. But even seven. Candles dark, are so. a thing, Lee Cronin. Candles are a flipping thing, and you could still have flashes. What about having a generator? There are ways round. There's no excuse to have twenty minutes of sheer darkness. You know, with you cannot see anything that's going on. You literally cannot see things, and you're supposed to be able to see a little bit more than you can. Um, and and that yeah. twenty minutes went on far too long. It just, yeah, uh, it bored me insanely. Yeah, and 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 I was enjoying it. I love the references. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah, yeah. that. I love that the 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 lunacy of 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 uh, a book that is inked in blood on the skin of human beings, and they find a co- a, a, um, a, a tape of someone read. This is a resurrection passage to to bring. You know, why would you play that? I love the lunacy of the fact that these idiots deserve everything that happens to them because they play that tape. Yeah, and and you just think, I have no. I love that they kept that in. Um, there's there was the there was it was it just it just had so much respect for its source material, and then that twenty minutes lost me. Yeah, and and I didn't really gain. I mean, I ca- I, I started enjoying it again a little bit, but mm-hmm. but it did that twenty minutes literally it lost, lost me. Lost a lot, yeah, yeah. And and the ending was rubbish. The ending was stupid, lazy, monster of the week kind of. Mm-hmm. Let's make a big deadite from lots of deadites. No, Lee Cronin, don't ever do that. You're supposed to be this great director. You're supposed to have respect for your source material. That was ridiculous. And then they just get all kind of like spewed out and it's just it was lazy the ending was lazy and the other problem i had was the fact that i think the reason why it was dark for 20 minutes was because he realized how shallow he'd gone with this with this sequel how 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 little he'd added to the the franchise He'd not done anything particularly new. There's some nice moments. She's great a bit. That was gross. The interplay yeah. of breaking up a family. Family liked that. That was clever. But there's nothing yeah. really new that's added to the Evil Dead franchise for this film, and he damn well knew it. Yeah. And I think that's why it was dark, because there was nothing new that was happening there you hadn't seen before. I was not as disappointed as the other one, but I was disappointed. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with everything you said because the the once they once the, all these uh, possessed 
people got uh and i don't even know really why uh they felt because if anything when that the main woman was on her own i mean you know she can float up and she can you know she's very powerful uh once she merged with the the the, the entire floor <laughs> of the apartment building in a thing uh and uh, became the seven headed weird creature thing one it was very slow couldn't really do a lot um and and yeah it, it wasn't scary it was more jokey and and then you know in the blink of an eye you know the with the ending i i did really uh the the the, the quick homage to the to the chainsaw coming out hmm. um and I, and I thought maybe we'd, we'd, you know, we'd, and then even in the shotgun, you know, I kept saying to my wife, Katie, oh, there's boomstick. <laughs> she had no idea what I was talking about. <laughs> um, but it was like little, little, little knots, but it just didn't, it just didn't, it didn't work the ending. Work. There's like you, there, there was a lot of parts that I really did enjoy. There was, parts I loved, and then there was a lot of parts that felt lazy or it, it didn't quite work for me or, uh, maybe, maybe this new audience, you know, this new, you know, this new Blumhouse audience um, of this new era, this YouTube generation, maybe this is more for them, and we're we're still slightly stuck in the eighties and nineties. I, I, possibly, I just wanted a decent horror film, and I, and I like updates, and I like kind of the the way that they have to be pacey. I get that. This just yeah. was just. You know, and yeah. I was reading a re- I was saying to you earlier, I was reading a review and they said, Well of course it was dark, it was a power cut and it's like, <laughs> You're an idiot, shut up. That's that's a stupid thing to say. You know, there's no way it should be that dark and there's grades no. of darkness. Yeah, yeah, um yeah. also it didn't make sense to me that that she was supposed to be this incredibly powerful, demonically possessed woman who couldn't couldn't even slightly get through a little bit of a door. I know, yeah, but I mean, that, that does. I suppose, I suppose that does play back to the original Evil Dead film, doesn't it? Where they, once they've been chucked down into the cellar, or they haven't got the power to to break the chains. I mean, it's but I guess but, it's but they are chained in the that. cellar. She wasn't even chained. She wasn't even restricted. You know, no, it, it was she was just knocking on the door. Yeah, she? and and then yeah, it was. It, I mean, she was an incredible actress. Really, really great, great performances. So, lost me in the twenty minutes. Never got back, and then totally lost me with the with the stupid creature at the end. And and it it just you end up thinking, if you're going to do something to add something to a franchise like that, you've literally got to add something. Uh, A classic example of doing this really well is is the newest Hellraiser film. That is how you do an addition to a franchise. Add something new homage and, and respects what's gone before but adds a new level that was how you do a, a, an additional a reboot or whatever that was brilliant this disappointing could have been so much better i don't know about you but i i kind of got uh vibes from the film smile um yeah like it like the the, the main the main you know the main possessed villain piece uh she kept smiling at the camera and even the way she was saying things you know she was pretending to, to, to be her old self and smiling and i was just thinking it is it, it just this very subtle 
horror of of nice is scarier than screaming and being exorcisty. You know, it's it's just that very soft tone and smiling, and there's a lot more. To it. Miles did it so perfectly because it was such a, a, a well made scary film, but this sort of felt like it was trying to be half the exorcist. Half the Evil Dead, but then half Smile, uh, because that's yeah. what's popular at the moment. Um, and it, 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 you can tell when when they're inspired by something, um, and maybe that's just the latest sort of craze of of, of, of what horror films are at the moment. And uh, I don't know, it just felt a little bit like like at times watching Smile. Yeah, and and it's it's like there's the beauty of Negan. You know that 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 before he bashes Glenn's brains in, he's smiling. He's you know, and there's something just really disturbing about when Negan smiles. That's not a good thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I it was just I wanted it to be to be something. Be yeah, and it could have. That, yeah. You know, sometimes when you watch something, you think this could have not. This they've done as much as they could, and it's not great. But they've this. They, he played it safe. He played it safe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, very disappointed in Lee Cronin. Um, I'm sure he won't care in the slightest of what my opinion is, but I know that there are other horror fans are thinking this could have been so much better than it was. And you know, if they do a, I mean, it did quite well. I think at the box office, it did okay with. It, kind it was of, a huge, yeah. So they're definitely going to do another one. I just hope that the, that either Lee Cronin pulls his finger out and does something a bit more experimental, or they get a new director. Because if they do another film that's playing it safe, it's it potentially could be a franchise killer, which would be a shame. It's interesting that you, because you know, when you said you wasn't too bothered about the 2013 film, I I actually you know enjoyed the 2013 film a lot more than this one. So. It'd be interesting when you go back and watch that one again to see, because you can at least compare it now with this film and see if you prefer the 2013 to it. Because I never had any real issues like I did with this one. Um, it was, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't outstanding or anything, but I never had any issues with it. Whereas this one, as even though it had some moments, it had so many issues. Yeah, I, I, I will rewatch so it. I mean, it... yeah, it'd be interesting to see what you think. But uh, yeah, it, it, I just I I hate that. I hate that when you're thinking this is this is a franchise I I love, um, yeah. And you've just kind of. I think when you get when you when you watch the the first three Evil Dead films and then you go on to the TV series, in some ways that's 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 the end of the journey. Um, you know, very much like when you're watching the Bond films, and, and then all of a sudden you start the Daniel Daniel Craig era. That's a separate standalone thing. I feel as though that the the, the Evil Dead films, as of Ash versus Evil Dead onwards, you know, it's, it's you kind of just leave Ash at the Ash films alone uh, as one part of the franchise, and then this is the, like the next generation of it. Um, you, know, you kind of got to separate them, I guess, because they are the two very different parts of a franchise. They they are, but you've still got to do something different to what's gone before. Otherwise, it's just boring. You know, I, I yeah, think yeah. You, you add something different. You could even argue Jaws four had some, added something different. It added a shark that roared with uh, with it added, ben... added Michael Caine. <laughs> didn't have that before. <laughs> no, but at least it added something. Did this didn't add anything yeah. new? You know, and a lot's been made of that stupid creature that with the seven heads at the end. I just thought yeah, it no. didn't it die easily as well. Too easily, too easily. There's no power behind it. Like you know, an creature should should be just 
the, the thing that you like where you feel like you've got no chance against there was a part of that film where at one point it felt like they have got no chance of surviving this but once that creature took its form of seven heads and five five legs running around uh, i just thought yeah that's that's exactly how they need that creature to be to kill it yeah, because it was in one place, and they could just—I mean, they were all being subtle before and wandering slow. around. Yeah, yeah, it was—it was—it was very bad. It was again, you see, lazy CGI-ridden finale. You know, it, they didn't it's, know how to end it. Though. No, and and he just ended it in the most lazy possible, easiest way he could. Um, and and the ending was too was too upbeat as well. It should have been much more negative. I know there was a bit of a shock at the end, but it wasn't that much of a shock, really, was it? Not really. No. So yeah, very disappointing. But I'm glad we did this instead of. Should we do? Um, should we do creature features next week? Yeah, let's do creature features next week, and then we'll yeah, night before I can tell you what we're really doing. Yeah, yeah, and, th- <laughs> and then when we actually come to record it, we won't do creature feature at all. It'll be it'll be ongoing gang for for every week until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, as as always, thank you very much, Tony. That was a great show, I believe. Uh, thank you for having me, and thank you for not possessing me. Well, you know, you know, I, I'm an influencer, not a possessor. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> See you next week. See you next week.